Welcome to episode number 43 of the Road to Cinema podcast, featuring writer-director Maya Forbes of the new film Infinitely Polar Bear, starring Mark Ruffalo and Zoe Saldana, which hits theaters on Friday, June 19th in New York and Los Angeles. In this autobiographical story, set in Boston in the late 1970s, Mark Ruffalo stars as Cameron, a father suffering from bipolar disorder. When his wife Maggie, played by Zoe Saldana, decides to pursue a master's degree in New York City, she makes the decision to leave her two young daughters in the hands of their father as he learns how to cope with his bipolar disorder and be a better father while his two daughters try their best to take care of him while slowly understanding the details of his disease. Writer-director Maya Forbes shares with us her process for delving into this extremely personal story and creating the character of Cameron, played by Mark Ruffalo, who is based on her real-life father. We also delve into her work as a director, on this film making her feature film directing debut, and her process for working with actors, including her own daughter, Imogene Wolodarski, who plays one of the daughters in the film. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema interview series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Jog Road and Jog Road Productions. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Jog Road Productions. And you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash jogroad. And you can also write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page under the Road to Cinema podcast. And remember, by following us on social media and writing us an iTunes podcast review, you'll be entered into a contest to win a free download of the Final Draft screenwriting software brought to you by Road to Cinema and our friends at Final Draft. And now we join writer-director Maya Forbes as she discusses the early development for the screenplay of Infinitely Polar Bear, which opens in theaters on Friday, June 19th in New York and Los Angeles and in theaters around the United States in weeks to come. So I was wondering, since this is such a personal story for you, um, when you began the writing process, did you go back to any personal journals or diaries or any artifacts from your childhood? Um, I actually, I didn't go back to any, I didn't have any journals or diaries from that time, but I had a lot of home movies. And I was sort of, it, it was funny to watch, I, somebody had put together a um, a, a bunch of the home movies from sort of my from when I was four to eight on on one DVD and watching them, I was struck by how happy I looked. Actually, it's like wow, God, I thought of that time is so sad, but boy, I looked really happy. I, you know, I um, and uh, that's sort of similar to how the film opens with the uh, the little kind of film clips at the beginning. Yes, in fact, some of those are from my father a bunch so I, I mixed super 8 that we shot with super 8 that my father had shot in the late 60s and and the 70s um because he had he had somehow known to go around just shooting the world out the windows of cars and buses and so i used some of that stuff just to give it a evocative feeling um and uh also just to capture that the uh cambridge boston at that time, which obviously I couldn't do. Um, so I did go back to those things. And then I, I um, relied, I, but I mostly relied a lot on memory. But, the, but, the, but seeing this, the Super 8 films was, was spurred, you know, was, was yeah. a sort of um, 
a way in, I guess. Did I Mark Ruffalo view any of those to kind of get into what he thought the character was or to try to get an essence of who your father was, in a sense? He watched, uh, my father had made a um, Super 8 film when he was quite manic um, about, that was uh, sort of a self-portrait, I guess I'd say. So he had shot himself. He, he had, so the opening image that of Mark Ruffalo um, smiling and looking at the camera that is from uh, that is directly um, that's something that my father made a movie of, of um, and I think that was helpful to him because he was very clearly um, manic so in a in a heightened mental state but he was also benign so I think that was an, an interesting thing to see yeah yeah was there a point in your childhood where um, you weren't really aware that your father had bipolar disorder, or did it sort of slowly come to you that his behavior was sort of different? I mean, I think I did. I didn't know. Into, I mean, I learned when I was six because he had a really big uh, yeah. breakdown. So up until then, I didn't know. But um, he was. I just knew he was. Uh, he. We lived out in the country, and we had a very. Um, we 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 lived in the country. We spent a lot of time exploring in the woods. My father was very connected to the natural world. He loved uh, to pick things, find things, climb things. You know, so, so we were very much in that. Um, I didn't know that that was was it didn't seem unusual to me. Yeah. Um, but it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was curious too. When you started the writing process, did you know that you wanted to sort of isolate the story to a very specific part of your childhood, or were you kind of open to? I was totally open, and I wrote many, many scenes that are not in the movie. And I wrote, I, I sort of, I didn't even start at the beginning of, I didn't start at the beginning of where the movie begins. I started, uh, the first scene I wrote, I think, is the scene where they buy that um, car, where the kids are so ang upset and angry that their dad's buying this crappy jalopy. That was the first um, scene that I wrote. And then I wrote many, many scenes, and I kind of just explored it. Um, explored di different parts and I and you know at one point the kids got much older you know and they were much older at the end and um, so at one point they were in college and I, I just it, I did all this stuff and then I sort of narrowed in on this this p period of time that yeah. seemed like where the story I was wanting to tell was concentrated uh, because it's a nice structure to have it based on uh, you know your mother's experience getting her master's degree and it's sort of that whole arc yes and you see the beginning the middle and the end of that Yes, and I knew I, did, I didn't want to make a, I didn't want to make an epic. You know, I wanted to make yeah. a entertaining film that was um, that. Uh, yeah, I wanted to make an entertaining film about about this this period, but the one that expressed the difficulty and the hard t times with, especially with my father adjusting to being this only parent, and also about my mother's journey and and. What, what that had meant for us. I mean, that, that was always sort of, that was the thing people always said, wait, what happened when you were a kid? Your mother did what? Your father did what? what? So the, that seemed to be where, I mean, what, I, it took me a long time before I, where, where, before I even thought that was at all interesting, because I think we all look at our lives and go, that, it's not that interesting. Yeah, it almost but, like you felt too close to it in a way. Too, yeah, uh, it's like, what is that? Is that really that, would anyone really be interested in any of this? But as I, when I became a parent, I thought, oh, that was kind of, different you know I, I that, that was a pretty intense period I learned a lot from it um, so that's why I sort of concentrated on that phase yeah. 
When you first started writing, did you know that you wanted this to be kind of your feature film directing debut in a sense? Did, did that ever cross your mind that this is the a piece of material that I really want to direct? It, 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 it had, that wasn't, I'd already, I'd, when I was younger, I'd wanted to be a director, but when I was started out writing this, I didn't, wasn't thinking of it that way, but I was thinking of it as I want to write something, I want to really put myself out there, I want to put myself on the line, I want to make, I want to write something that I'd like to see that I would, could really care about, um, and that if it failed, it would really be devastating. <laughs> <laughs> um, only because sometimes when you're writing for studio films, which I enjoy and I learned a lot, I learned a lot of craft doing that stuff, but your emotions are, aren't at stake in the same way. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to do something that I that was why I became a writer in the first place, uh, that express, was expressive of that. When I finished it, I just thought, I don't know if I could give this to somebody else because I would, I would worry that the warmth and the humor wouldn't necessarily make it because I think some people would look at this and go, "Oh my God, this is so. This story is so tragic and hard and devastating," and there is sad and tragic parts to it. But I also felt like, um, like life, there's also this, there's this, there's sort of a celebration of misery is what I want. Yeah. I was or it doesn't have it. to be like a melodrama where everybody's kind of yeah. upset. Exactly. The whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Not upset the whole time. There are great moments too. Great little. I mean, they balance each other out, right? The good and the bad. So, I just was really. That was the biggest concern for me is that I wanted to make a really warm movie about a family, um, and that was why I decided it would be worse to give it up. I mean, if I gave it to somebody and didn't try, it was just an extension of putting myself out there. Yeah, well plus too, it seems like there's a lot of detail in the production design and the photography that you really knew these locations yes. and they were very familiar to you. Uh, so when you were prepping the movie, was that sort of part of your prep to sort of go back to certain spots and try to even recreate them in a sense? Well you couldn't recreate them because they just are gone, you know, yeah. I mean that was the thing. That was sort of the big challenge. Um, and we are working on a budget. I had, I had, you know, I had made, I had photographs and images for my production designer, my DP, my costume designer, the look of it, we all worked really hard to achieve. And what was, I think what was, what I learned was that if you have a really, if you have a really strong idea of what the place you're looking for means, you're never going to find, for instance, I couldn't find South Station in Boston. Like, I mean, I, you know, that's where we often picked my mother up at South Station in Boston. That doesn't exist anymore. We were going to shoot in Boston. Uh, there's not a train station that looks that way anymore, and it's hard to get to train, a train station. So you go to the bus station, you know, and you, re and you can't find a bus station, but you're going to find something that feels like what it felt like to see your mother from a distance coming home on the bus and how exciting that moment was. And, and so I was really going for... Um, I, had a, I had a sense of what every location was supposed to mean and how it was supposed to feel. So that was what we... we, we that was how we approached it. Yeah, I love the way the apartment looks. I feel like that's oh. kind of, there's a great sense of that. Did, did you take a long time kind of dressing that and kind of getting the feel for what you really wanted that location to be? Because it's such a vocal point for the movie. Yes, huge point. So yes, the apartment, we looked at all these apartments. Um, when we saw the, uh, my DP, I, I had a great, um, he, both my DP and production designer, um, and that was one of my favorite things to do too, is location scouting. I ended up, I loved it because you would see a place and, and, and it wouldn't look anything like what you were looking for, but you thought, I, but I can do what I want to do here in this place. Yeah. Um, and so the apartment did actually kind of look a little bit like the apartment I grew up in. Um, but we ended up, we, it was a tremendous amount of dressing and we pulled from 
at my, you know, my, my production designer's house. We pulled from all these, a lot of the art on the walls is either art that my grandmother painted or one of the, my, um, one of the people, one of the women in the art department, she had had in-laws who were both artists. We used a lot of their art. We just, and then my aunt, my aunt, who doesn't throw anything away, which normally you say that's a bad thing, but in this case, it's trying to be a good thing. Benefit. She drew, drove in a, her van down, she drove down from Vermont, and she had kept a lot of my dad's stuff, actually, because I, I, I'm sort of the kind of person that's like, I'll take these three things that mean something to me, but I can't drag this stuff around with me for my life, although obviously I do in my inside. <laughs> I, I lug it around with me, but I don't try to lug the material stuff around, but he had it. So the goggles that he wears, the machete, the this big mallet he has, this crazy lamp that he built, that's all the stuff that was my father's, you know, that I didn't keep, but she did. So we brought that, we yeah. stuffed it all in that apartment. Yeah, it's great. I mean, details really add up to everything in the end, especially, uh, you know, for something like this, it's so personal to you. Yes. And the apartment was really an expression of his mind, you know, and and, and uh, um, all the stuff that's going on in that in that mind, um, and the way that all that stuff can kind of close in on you, or it can be kind of beautiful, you know, it can be beautiful and this environment that the kids can have a great time in, but but can be kind of yeah. oppressive. Uh, when you were collaborating with actors on the set, uh, you have Mark Ruffalo, uh, Zoe Saldano, and then you have your daughter, Imogene, in there as well. Yes. Uh, so is it kind of a different process for you working with more seasoned actors versus sort of working with your daughter and who you have a personal relationship with at the same time? I think, I, and I, I'd be curious what Mark and Zoe have to say about this, but I think what was sort of great was that Mark and Zoe obviously are very experienced, brilliant actors, and they bring all of that craft and experience and, and wisdom to it. But then the kids are completely, both the kids are new and kind of raw and playful. And I feel like, obviously the kids got a lot from Mark and Zoe, but I think Mark and Zoe got a, something from the kids that, that for their performances also made them feel, because we stuck pretty close to the script, but we went for a sort of improvisational, naturalistic feel. And I think a lot, I think that was it was the balance of this, all this craft that these two have, and then this completely new, open rawness of the girls, and probably somewhat of mine as well, me too. I mean, I'm also pretty experienced in that I've write, written for so long, and I've, I've I have uh, run some TV shows, um, but I hadn't directed before, so I think I was also bringing a little of that sort of experimental yeah. feeling. Or sometimes kids can be less self-conscious too, whereas yes. maybe a seasoned actor may be kind of, you know, worried about certain technical things where... Yeah. Oh yeah, they don't know. Yeah. The kids aren't, aren't worried about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> they never said, you're not getting both my eyes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> move that light. Yeah. No, none of that. Uh, going into the editing process for you being your, your first feature, was there anything that you learned that you thought was really essential that you would carry on to the next film that you... Direct. I would hold on things longer. I, yeah. I felt like I was too quick to cut. Um, things felt long. I was always and I and I imagined cuts in my head, so I would you know cut when I thought I would cut. Did you have would, a shot list going in every day when you were on set? I did. Yeah. Um, but I just I just I I think I was just too quick to get out of a shot on somebody, um, and some you know probably and we were shooting on the Alexa, so it's not like I was burning up film or anything. I mean, that wasn't my thing. I just think I was, I had a desire to make my days 
And, and my first AD kept saying, this is it. So don't, if you don't get, and I feel like I got it. Yeah. I, I feel like for the most part, I really did get it, but I, there are some places where I, could, I just wish I got a little more of it, just a little bit more. So um, that was the big lesson for me. Um, I wonder if there's another with the editing. It's just great to, it's just great to give yourself options. You know, like if you do a scene three times one way, just have, give the actor a little bit of a different direction and get another flavor. Um, I did do that a fair amount, but I think that's great. It's a great thing. It kind of loosens things up. It, it's not precious. It's like, let's try this. And so oftentimes you'll find that that, you'll, that, other, that other approach is something that you, yeah. you're really happy that you did have. Did you see the, the screenplay differently going into the editing process? Was there anything in there where you would say, well, maybe I would have written that differently? or? Um, I'd worked on the screenplay for so long. So yeah. it's funny. And now I think, oh, am I going to have to work that long on every single movie? Like, I'd love to direct again. So am I, it's going to take me eight years to <laughs> direct. I hope not. Um, but things in the screenplay, transitions are so important. You know, that's, the, that's another thing I learned in the editing. It's transitions are so important. Um, and uh, what would I do it differently in the screenplay? Um, I guess, no, I mean, I tried to come in with a pretty lean screenplay. Yeah. Um, I, I think it'll affect me going forward. Having directed, my scenes count. I understand like why I have this. If the scene isn't getting you any, you know, you have to be a little harder on yourself when you're writing to direct it, yeah. because you don't want to waste time and have a bunch of stuff you're not going to use. Oh, um, exactly. But then there's the thing I think that sometimes you, you 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 want, like I said, you want a little bit extra because you don't always know what you're going to want to use. You know. Yeah. For you, is there a particular moment in the film that you feel the most proud of that really? Uh, exceeded your expectations uh, when you see it in the final film? Um, I love the scenes down the hall. I love those hallway scenes with the girls and then Mark looking at each other. I, I, I think I love the um, them running to Zoe. I think I love the slow motion of them running, the girls running to Zoe and Mark walking towards them. I, I really find that very emotional. I, I think it's very beautiful to look at and I um, it sort of all came together with the music and everything in a really nice way. Um, I'd say that might be it. And I like the, and the ending, I really, I think it's, it's powerful.